0: Last week we started our series on Jesus our savior our example. And uh just to go back over what we did last week very quickly, we talked we looked at how Jesus was a man that understood who he was. He understood who he was. He he was a man that that said I am. He knew he was the son of God. He knew he was the savior of the world. He knew why he was here. Uh, he kept in constant contact with his boss. He was always getting up early, staying up late at night to spend time with his heavenly father. He stuck to his mission and was passionate about his cause. He didn't allow anybody to to get him off track and and uh, derail him from, from the mission that he had. Uh, he, he believed in himself. Um, you know, he called himself the gate, the door, the vine, the shepherd. Uh, he knew... Uh, who he was, and he believed in himself and in his purpose. Uh, He had internal anchors. Uh, He said, why do you seek after people's approval and not seek after the approval of God? Uh, He did the difficult things. You know, uh, I'll tell you, I, I pastored for many years. It's not always easy to do the right thing. Sometimes the right thing is the difficult thing. And uh, and you know when you're looking for a new pastor, you'll need to you'll need to find a guy that's going to do the right thing, even though it's sometimes going to be the difficult thing. And and that uh, you know Jesus did that. He he could he went into the wilderness and saw uh, you know was there with Satan for forty days. Uh, he knew that that going to Jerusalem meant a trial. It meant a crucifixion. Uh, he did the difficult things. Um, Jesus said thank you uh, before he commanded uh lazarus to rise he thanked god ahead of time for how god was going to move in that situation and uh he owned it he took ownership of his situation he he didn't pass the buck he didn't say it was somebody else's responsibility he took ownership of uh the message and the mission that god had given him uh he was willing to look foolish you know we talked last week uh, uh quite a bit about how sometimes uh you know, people don't understand. They don't have the whole story. They don't have the backstory, story. And you can't tell them the whole story. All you have to do is do the right thing and understand that people are not always going to understand. And sometimes you will look foolish to people because they don't have the whole story. And uh, Jesus was willing uh, to look foolish. He didn't spend all of his time explaining himself. He just went about the business of doing the things that God had called him to do. And, of course, he sacrificed himself. Uh, he came and gave of himself and sacrificed himself. Now that's what we looked at last week. Now we're gonna we're gonna go today from a man that understood who he was, that really really knew who he was, to a man that that built strong relationships. Here again, uh, we're in the leadership phase of our interim time, and uh, and you'll be looking for a new pastor soon. And and one of the things that that this new guy really needs to be able to do is build strong relationships uh since i've been here Dave, that's one of the you know people love you because you built relationships and and there are people though that 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 want to pastor churches you need to understand this there are people that want to pastor churches that that want to do x y and z but they don't want to build relationships with people and you want to stay away from those guys you, you want you want to be uh you know call somebody that that's going to that's going to love you and engage in your life and and be a part of your life and let you be a part of their life. And so today we're going to look very quickly at how Jesus was a man that built strong uh, relationships. Number one, Jesus gave his followers a vision of something larger than themselves. You ever thought about that? He gave his followers a vision of something larger than themselves. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men, uh, where there is no vision. The Bible says the people perish. Did you know? Study after study after study shows that that young people in our world today, however you want to label them, okay, young people, young adults, people younger than me, okay, <laughs> what they want is they want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. They want they want to feel like they're they're a part of something that really matters. Something that that they can't do by themselves. And so Jesus gave his followers a vision of something larger than themselves. Something that that they couldn't do by themselves. But he said, come along, follow me, and we're going to do great things. A vision of something larger than themselves. Number two notice how Jesus was the kind of guy that said yes. Jesus said yes. Yes, I will come to your wedding. Yes, I will come to your party. Yes, I will come to your house and eat dinner. Yes, I will come and see about your sick daughter. Yes. You see, that was Jesus being a part of those people's lives. Now, what did the religious authorities think about half of that? They didn't like it. He's going to eat at the home of sinners. Oh, my goodness. He, he, my grand, he spends all his time with common fishermen. He, he went against the grain there in that society. Jesus didn't care. He, he said yes to people that invited him to come. Let me tell you something. Here again. When you call a pastor, he, he's not going to be able to say yes to everything you ask him to do, okay? Did you hear that? Let me say it again. He's not going to be able to say yes to everything you ask him to do, okay? In fact, one of the things that I think pastors really get in trouble with today is that they say yes, and then they don't follow through. And and one of the things that it, my former pastor that 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 they really didn't some of the people didn't like about me was that if I knew I wasn't gonna do it, I wouldn't tell them I was gonna do it. They would ask me to do it and I'd say, No, not gonna do that. And it bothered them at first. They said, I don't like that. Won't you do that? But I found out that it was better to say no when I wasn't gonna do something than to say yes and then not do it. So here again, when you call a new guy and he comes in, he needs to be the kind of guy that's going to say yes a lot so that, you know, build that relationship with you. But but when he says no, give him some grace on that too. Give him some grace on that too because he can't say yes to everything. He can't say yes to everything. (coughs) Excuse me. Number three, Jesus empowered women. Did you know that? Jesus empowered women women it's crazy in our world today people say oh my goodness Christianity holds women down there is nothing that has liberated women in the history of the world more than Christianity Christianity has liberated women and Jesus empowered women no one raised the station of women more than Jesus you know think also who did Jesus appear to first who were the first evangelists they were women. He appeared to who? The women that first on the road. And they went back and they told the others. Uh, you know, different churches have different ideas about what people should do and, and you know and and this gender thing and that gender thing, whatever. But but understand that that Jesus empowered women, and nobody in the history of mankind has lifted the station of women more than jesus christ you know uh, ladies i want to tell you if, you if you lived back during the biblical times you would not have liked it you wouldn't liked it you've come a long way baby to get where you've got to today some of you recognize that some of you younger people don't never mind it was a cigarette commercial all right <laughs> so he empowered women right he empowered women. Uh, you know, he believed in his people. He believed in his people. Now, please don't get me wrong. The only problem with the church is that it's an, it, it's made up of people. Amen. You know, yeah. And so, no church is ever going to be perfect. And 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 Willow Bend is not perfect. No church that's made up of people is perfect. And and I don't know how many pastors that are my age and have been in this a while. You know they, they've got a they've got kind of a cynical kind of a cold idea. You know that you know because people have done them wrong or people have treated them badly and, and this that and the other and 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 they don't really uh, you know they they may still pastor but they don't really believe in their people anymore and 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 you need to find a guy that believes in you that's going to believe in you believe in the people. In his church, that that you know that will that will lead you and say, you know, together we are going to do great things. Together we are going to be everything God wants us to be here at this place in Plano, Texas. We are going to be the light that God wants us to be. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in God the Father. I believe in the Holy Spirit. You know what? I believe in you. I believe that we can do great things. He believed in his people. What did he tell them? Nothing will be impossible to you. That's what Jesus said to his followers. What else did he say? He said, you will do greater things than I. That's what Jesus said. If you just have the faith of a mustard seed. And so he believed in his people. Notice something else. He forgave them. (laughs) He forgave them. Jesus died so, God the Father could forgive us. Jesus forgave his people. Jesus forgave his people. You don't want to find somebody that's going to hold grudges. You don't want to find somebody that's going to, going to not be forgiving. You know, we all need forgiveness every now and then. Amen? We all need forgiveness. And, but, the, but the other side of that is that, that no matter how great. A person is, they're going to make mistakes and you're going to need to forgive them sometimes too. You're going to need to forgive them sometimes too. If you called... uh, Here again, I know Dave was almost perfect. Okay, I understand that. But if you called a perfect pastor, he wouldn't need to be here because you're not perfect. He wouldn't fit with you. Okay? But I've never met one of those dudes yet. Never met a perfect one yet. You know... And so you need to find a guy that's loving and forgiving, just like Jesus was loving and forgiving. And you need to be loving and forgiving to him as well. Uh, number six, he, he educated them. You ever thought about that? He educated them. You know, we live in a world today where, where people believe all kinds of different things. And it's like the flavor of the month, you know? whatever this psychologist said or whatever this philosopher says or, or you know, whatever the prevailing thought of the day is, whatever Hollywood tells us to believe. I mean, there's all different kinds of ideas floating around out there. And, and the bottom line is that the only thing that keeps us anchored to God's will is God's Word. And you need to, to, to call a guy that's going to educate you in the Word of God. He knows the Word of God. He's able to teach the Word of God. Not what he believes, but what the Word of God says. Well, hopefully those are the same thing, right? But a person that is willing to educate you, lead you. Now, that doesn't mean he has to know the answers to everything. I, I don't know how many times I got asked questions and still do. I have no idea what the answer is. And I would say that too. Be very careful of a guy that can give you the answer to every single question. Because there are some things we just don't understand. Some things we don't know. Some things that we're just going to have to get to heaven one day and ask God why this happened or why that is. There are certain things we don't know. But, you know, somebody that can teach the word of God. Number seven, he prayed for them. You ever notice that? Jesus prayed for the disciples. One of my favorite uh, uh, chapters in all of the Bible is John 17. In John 17, Jesus prayed for himself. Remember? He prayed for himself. And then he prayed for his disciples. And then he prayed for all those that would come after his disciples So he prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and then he prayed for you and me. Jesus prayed to the Father for himself, but he also prayed for his followers. Here again, that means you need to call a man of prayer, someone that that certainly prays to the Father about direction and, and all of those things that a pastor needs, but also a person that wants to pray for you, that loves you enough to pray for you. He prayed for them. Uh, he wanted the best for them. Did you ever notice that? He wanted the best for them. Everything Jesus did was to teach us how to live. Everything Jesus did was to was to show God's way the better way, pave the way for for opportunities for us to to live the life that God has called us to live but but notice here again we talked about this a little bit last week what is truly best because you see we don't always look at it from a human perspective. If you look at it from a human perspective, if you look at it from a finite perspective, if you look at it just from what happens in this world, you're going to have a skewed view and you're not going to have the view that God has. You see, God has an eternal view. And so we can't always look at what's best for, what seems best for me right now in this life. No, what's best when I look at it from God's point of view? from an eternal point of view. And so Jesus was always looking out for the best for them, but he wasn't just looking at this life, he was looking at eternity. Because you could make the argument, wow, he called these young men to follow him and and most of them ended up getting killed. How was that best for them? Well, see, if you look at it from this, just this world, maybe you could make the argument it wasn't. But if you look at it from God's point of view, of course it was. Because they were doing the will of the Father. They were doing what He wanted them to do. And and they were securing for themselves a place in heaven. Not that we earn our salvation. I don't mean that. But they were doing what was best. Not from this world's point of view, but from God's point of view. Notice Jesus loved them. Jesus loved them. How could Jesus care uh, about rebellious, <laughs> sinful people like me, like you, like Peter? Well, he did. He did. He he you know Jesus was not an immature person that when somebody hurt him or or went against him, you know, he he got mad, he held a grudge, and it just never went away. You know, we were, uh, <laughs> I gotta tell this, we were, we were doing a, a walk yesterday, and uh, my, my son in law and my daughter and me were walking through Old Rockwall, kind of a power walk, you know. Uh, you know, I'm in such bad shape, I can't really jog anymore, and they were being nice to, to, to stay with old dad, you know, not run ahead. And we were going through the old Rockwall Cemetery and I was pointing out people uh, that were relatives. I said, you that lady was a relative of yours and that was your, you know, that was a relative and that was a relative. And, and I caught myself saying, you know, because I knew some of these ladies, I said, you know, you didn't want to get on her bad side because, man, once you were on there, you were there forever, you know. Or, 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 or if you, or, if, or this was a person that, that if she was against you politically, man, you were in trouble. People, if they ran for office in Rockwall, they always came to get her blessing." Because she could be really hard on you if she was against you. And and my daughter Catherine said, Wow, we had a lot of relatives that held grudges. (laughs) We did. Jesus didn't hold grudges. You know? Jesus did not do that. Jesus loved people. I love the scripture when it says he looked at them and he loved them. Think about that. He looked at them and he loved them. Can't you see that in his eyes? Can't, can't you feel feel it? You know, feel his heart beating. You know what I'm talking about. Dad, when you looked at that child for the first time or, or when you look at him today. Mom, you know what I'm talking about. He looked at them and he loved them. You see that this encompasses not just his, not just him doing the Father's will, not just him, him, you know, following, uh, you know, uh, orders. This, this encompassed his whole being. He, he was doing the will of the Father. Yes, he was doing the right thing mentally, but, but he was emotionally involved too. He really, really invested himself in these people. He loved them. He looked at them and he loved them. Here again, you need to find a guy that's going to love you. But can I tell you something? You need to love him back. You need to love him back. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. See, this is something that you probably hadn't thought of before. How many of you have heard? Sin covers a multitude of. I mean, I mean, love. Love covers a multitude of sins. You heard that? Yeah. I'm going to tell you the truth. When I pastored my former church, I was there about 15 years. I don't think quite as long as Dave was here. I mean, yeah. And I could do something that people didn't like. But if I had a relationship with them and they loved me, that love covered that. You hear what I'm saying? If I didn't have a relationship with them, it didn't tend to cover it as much. Okay? I can think, you know, as as a, in my job with the Baptist General Convention of Texas, I go around and I see churches and I and I talk to pastors and that's my job, kind of kind of in some ways to be a pastor to pastors nowadays. And 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 I, I can think of it, one church right off the top of my head, and there's a young man there, and, and he's a nice guy, and he's a young guy, and, and he's a smart guy, and, and, and he's got everything going for him, uh, except he came in and he made some decisions really early in his ministry before people got to know him and before, before they got to love him. And he's got problems now. And I was visiting with him not long ago and and he said, what what would you have done different? He said, do you think the decisions I made were bad decisions? I said, no, I think they were good decisions. I I don't have any problem with your decisions. You just did it way, way, way too fast. Because you see, those people don't know you well enough yet. They don't trust you. They don't love you well enough yet. And quite honestly, you haven't loved them long enough. You see what I'm saying? When you have a love relationship with somebody, you overlook a lot. Uh, Here again, parents, you overlook a lot with your kids. Well, some of you say, oh, you know, my kids are perfect, right? My kids are sitting here. They would tell you that, that they're perfect. But no, when you love somebody, those things just seem to melt away. They're not important. But when you don't love somebody, every little thing can be a burr in your saddle. Amen? Every little thing can bother you. And so it's really, really important that you call a guy that's going to love you and that you can love him back. And finally, we all know that Jesus cared so much about his relationship with his disciples, his relationship with with us, that he did the only thing that he could to ensure our salvation and us being right with the Father. He died for us and now he lives for us. And that's what the Christian life is all about. It's about dying to yourself and it's about taking up the cross and following Jesus. It's about doing what God wants you to do. And living for Him. And so today, as we talk about these these uh, characteristics and how Jesus was uh, a man of strong relationships, I, I want to 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 mention these things because because I think these things are important in your next pastor. But I also want to mention them because if they are things that Jesus did, there are things that all of us should do too. Amen. And so it's not just a challenge to look for the right person. It's a challenge to also embrace these characteristics and and be people that build strong relationships. Yeah, That's one thing about Willow Bend I've noticed. You guys build strong relationships. You build strong relationships. And that's a great thing. It can be a danger. You know, if you have such strong relationships with this group, you know, then it's hard for somebody to to break into the group, or you know, somebody come into the group because you know. I, I remember um, I remember when I first uh, went to Texas A and M as a freshman, and uh, and the BSU director had been there a long, long time, and uh, he was retiring, and he had announced his retirement at the first of the year, so the whole year was like a goodbye to Ron year. Okay, goodbye to Ron year, and and. And the whole year, everybody was telling these stories. Everybody was talking about, oh, remember when we did that? Oh, how great that was. Oh, remember when we did that? Wasn't that wonderful? And I'm sitting out there going, don't have any memories. Wasn't there. Felt left out. You understand what I'm saying? And so you see how even though we build strong relationships with each other, we have to be very careful while we celebrate those relationships not to make people that were not part of that feel left out does that make sense and that really is 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 the juggling act that 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 you have to do as a church to have great fellowship amongst yourselves and still be open to to those you know that that want to be a part and uh and make them feel welcome as well uh there's a church that I was youth minister at, and it, it's exploded it's a it's a big church now, it wasn't a big church when I was youth minister there but uh but when the church was growing, there was some restlessness in the church because because guess what everybody didn't know each other anymore. Oh my goodness, what a horrible thing you know there are people that come to church now that I don't know and the pastor got up one day and I'll never forget this he had he had season tickets to the Rangers games and he said, you know I go see the Rangers play, and there's like 35,000 people there, and I don't know most of them, but I still enjoy the game. I still enjoy being there. And he said, you don't have to know everybody to feel a kinship with them because we're there rooting on those Rangers. He said, how much more a great and wonderful common denominator we have when we come to worship our Lord and Savior. You don't have to know everybody to feel good about that. He also used one other illustration I think is great. He said, he said, when we come to worship, it's like my family sitting down at the table. We sit down at the table after Sunday, and, and, and we have a guest with us. And do we enjoy each other's company? Yes, we do. And do we talk as a family? Yes. And we enjoy and we love each other, but we never, ever, ever lose sight of the fact that we have a visitor at the table with us. We never forget that there's someone there with us. And here again, that's another tension that a growing church has to do. You have to enjoy that fellowship amongst yourselves, but you never forget that there are people there that you're welcoming in for the very first time. So, Jesus Christ, he gave them a vision of something larger than themselves. He said yes. He empowered women. He believed in his people. He forgave them. He educated them. He prayed for them. He wanted the best for them he loved them and he died for them and now he lives for them characteristics of christ that you need to look for in your next pastor characteristics that you need to embrace as a follower of jesus christ